0: Good morning. Good morning, you guys. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Welcome to New City. Uh, If you're visiting with us, um, especially welcome to you. We're glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, If you made it in and didn't stop by uh, our Connect Bar, we would love to have you do that before you leave this morning. Um, meet one of our connect team members we've got a small gift for you just our way of saying thank you for being with us Um, well worth the stop it is a it is an amazing gift so stop by meet our connect team at the bar in the lobby and um, take one of those gifts home even if you're not coming back I say this often um, we would love to send you home with that Uh, it has our new city logo on it and I hope that if you take that home with you, you will see that and remember us, and you can pray for a new city. Uh, and because we met you, we will do the same for you guys, pray for you. Uh, I hope you got a bulletin when you came in. There are uh, several announcements in there. Um, a, a, a couple, VBS at campus clubs, I think we still need some help with that. Uh, Amanda is heading that up, so if you are able to help, let her know. Uh, we have a half-day conference coming up, giving you plenty of notice for that. Uh, it's on gospel fluency. It is going to be a really, really good and helpful day. Um, so sign up and come and be a part of that. Uh, Easter, uh, that is, I cannot believe that it is already time for Easter. It just keeps feeling like it's still a month away, uh, but it's not. It's next week. Uh, and so with that announcement, I have a ask for you, new city people, New city people, are you listening? Okay. Um, two things. Remember that that weekend is uh, a great weekend to invite people who would normally maybe not go to church or who don't have a church home. And so, I just encourage you to invite invite friends, family to come and be a part of that whole weekend or any part of that weekend. Um, don't forget Good Friday. Saturday we have our Easter egg hunt and picnic and uh, that's always a lot of fun. Um, we'll share the Easter story um, hide eggs, kids find eggs uh, and then we're gonna have lunch. It's bring your own, so if your MC wants to do something together that's great. If not, bring your own lunch, hang out and then we are gonna have adult field day and uh, the Brewer MC, that's my MC, is gonna dominate uh, as our MCs compete against each other uh, for an incredible prize. Um, the prize is incredible. Uh, so come and be a part um, Friday, Saturday, and then Easter Sunday. Here's the other ask um, if you are a new city person, especially if you come next week and you don't bring a guest with you, uh, you are required to sit up front, okay? We're just going to start from the front and work our way back so that there is plenty of room for our guests who might come. We want them to feel welcomed, comfortable at home, and you guys should be comfortable on the front row where maybe they are not. Here's another secret about the front row. When I'm talking, uh, (laughs) my spit never makes it that far. There's There's a barrier right here. Um, So that's one thing. And the other is when I am looking out at you guys, I never see the first two rows. right? So they are the safest rows. I'll never look like I'm talking just to you uh, because I'm looking out there. So y'all come forward next week and uh, let's fill up the front uh, so our visitors have a place to to sit. Okay. Oh, one more. Uh, This one is not in the bulletin. So the Sunday after Easter, I think that is the 16th. At 3 o'clock, we are going to do a building tour at the new building. Uh, That is the plan anyway. 3 o'clock on the 16th at the new building. Uh, And also related to buildings. Uh, If you did not know, this building is under contract. Yes, that is a praise. Uh, And so pray. Pray that that goes through. Um, But also pray for, for us. There will be a gap between when we have to be out of here and when we can be in our new building. And so we're going to have to find a temporary home uh, for us to meet in while we're waiting on them to finish up our new place. Uh, So just pray. Pray that we'll find the right place. Um, Pray for staff, especially, as we think through everything that is involved there. Just pray that we don't go crazy or kill one another um, as we are working through all of that. Okay. Um, We are going through the book of Acts, and we are in Acts 20 this week, Acts 20. Um, We're going to cover the whole chapter, all of chapter 20, uh, but some of it we're just going to run through really, really quickly so that we can focus on, really, verses 17 through 38, and this is Paul's farewell to Ephesus. Um, We get this week in these verses a glimpse of Paul's life and a life well lived. Uh, we see that in his time at Ephesus, right? So that's what we're going to be talking about, is a life well lived. Here's a spoiler alert for you, a couple of things. One is this life that Paul uh, led, a life um, lived well. Uh, I think that Paul's intention in, in, in saying these things and Luke's intention, including them in the, the book of Acts, um, was for the church to emulate the life of Paul We are the church if we're followers of Christ. And so I think um, that is the idea here that we would live uh, life well, like Paul has. Here's the other spoiler alert, and I'm going to tell you this just so I hope that you pick it up as we go through these verses. Um, Really, the life that Paul lived, the life that we are called to, is a glimpse at the life of Jesus. Um, Paul lived his life as a reflection of the life of Jesus. So. Let's pray together this morning, then we'll jump in. Um, I ask, as I do every week, if you would pray with me. Don't just listen to me pray, but pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for the people around you. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be especially good this morning to us and shape us into the people that God wants us to be. Would you pray with me? Yeah, thank you. Father, um, thank you for your goodness to us and your grace. Thank you for uh, your kindness Thank you this morning that you hear all of our prayers as as together we pray that you would do great and 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 marvelous things in our midst, Holy Spirit that you would be mighty and powerful um, that you would 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 point out those areas in our life where we are weak and and need help um, that you would convict us uh, to repentance that you would convict us of sin that you would also Convict of righteousness, just as Jesus said that you would, that you would help us to see what is good and right and and stir our hearts to live that way. Uh, We pray, we pray, Father, that our lives would be a reflection of the life of Jesus, the perfect man who lived the life that we should live. Help us. Help us to be everything that you've created us to be. Help us as a church to be the church that you have created us to be. For your glory and the good of your people, in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Okay, um, so this morning uh, in in Acts chapter twenty, we come to a passage that I think, as we read through it and talk about it, you're going to see is a is a very different passage than we've seen going through the book of Acts to this point. Um, I, I, I think it is a, a sweet and personal pause in the action uh, of Acts, a sweet and personal pause in the action. Uh, the chapter doesn't start that way, but that's where we get to. The chapter actually starts in a, in a pretty frantic pace, which is the way most of the book of Acts is. Um, last week, we talked about the uproar in Ephesus um, there was a riot basically and they were looking to um, have Paul killed or arrested or sent out of out of Ephesus when that settles um, Paul leaves Ephesus and he heads to Macedonia so we read this morning if, if we read our verses we would read in verses 1 through 6 about Paul leaving and traveling uh, and, and we read about Greece uh, traveling to Greece through Macedonia, Syria is mentioned, Philippi, Troas, these are all the places that Paul is visiting as he travels. Uh, in Troas, we read about um, a sermon from Paul and, and, and a guy named Eutychus who fell asleep during Paul's sermon. I think that's a warning for y'all. Don't fall asleep during the sermon. This guy fell out of a window and died. Um, so hey, listen, help the person next to you. It's for their good. Um, but Eutychus falls out of a window and dies uh, and, and Paul goes down and he's raised from the dead. I'm, I'm laughing about it, but a, an incredible and beautiful miracle that takes place. And then quickly re, we read more of Paul's travels to um, Asos and Mytilene and Chios and Samos and Miletus. In verse 16, um, we read that Paul has decided then, Uh, that he is going to head to Jerusalem, but he's going to sail past Ephesus and not stop there um, because he is in a hurry now to get to Jerusalem. So we're going to spend most of our time here in this part. In verse 17, Paul is in Miletus, uh, and that's about 20 miles away from Ephesus, and he sends to the elders uh, in Ephesus and asks the elders to come to him so the 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 elders from the Ephesian Church come to Paul, and here is where we have this this really sweet and personal pause um, in the frantic pace that we've been talking about in the book of Acts. Um, the book of Acts does move really, really quickly, and i I, I want to say this: there is some danger in that for us that things happen so quickly in the book of Acts um, it, it, it It may seem. Um, as we're reading through and even going through this sermon series that all of these events happen in a short period of time, right? Like like the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2 as Jesus promised the church is born. It seems quickly after that as the church, as the church is growing that um, Stephen is stoned to death and we have the first recorded martyr of the church. Paul becomes a believer and he starts his missionary journeys and the gospel is going further and further from Jerusalem. It seems like like we read uh, regularly of of healings, um, like Eutychus, who who died and was raised from death. We read about these groups of people who become believers, and the Holy Spirit comes in this incredible and powerful way, and people are speaking in tongues, and there are miracles and healings and casting out demons. And and again, it's just one, 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 just after another, right? And, And so, the danger here is that we read this and, and, and we might come to question why those things don't happen that way now. Or, or we may read this and expect that those things should be a part of our everyday life. Like, like, like we look at the book of Acts and think that all of these incredible, miraculous things were taking place day in and day out. But here's the reality. We've moved quickly through the book of Acts, but scholars tell us that Acts 20 occurs 30 years. 30 years after the ascension of Jesus. So these events have have happened, and they're beautiful and miraculous, and the Holy Spirit is doing an incredible work, but it hasn't happened overnight. 30 years have taken place. We, we, we read a chapter about Paul being in Ephesus, and it seems that he, he flies into Ephesus, spends a little time there, and then he's right back out the door again and going somewhere else. But really, verse 31 tells us that when Paul came to Ephesus, he spent three years there. For three years, Paul ministered to the people in Ephesus. Y'all, you know, that's, that's the length of time that Jesus spent with his disciples. That's a long time in a lot of ways, especially there in in that context and culture where they would have spent a great deal of time together, right? Paul spent a lot of time with the people there in Ephesus, especially the leaders in Ephesus. He knew them very, very well, and, and they knew Paul well. He loved them. And they loved him, and he loved them not just like as an apostle loves the the church of God. He 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 loved them as a man. He loved them as a as a human being who shared many life experiences with these people. As 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 a man who who lived and labored with his brothers and sisters, but he loved them like they were family because he had spent so much time with them. True friends. A deep, deep friendship with them. So as Paul calls them and they come, Paul recounts his time with them. And and here I think is where we see a life well lived. A life well lived. I want to read these verses. um, Beginning in verse 18. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive okay a life well lived Um, Paul talking to the elders from Ephesus we read this is likely the last time they will see him In, in verse 18 Paul said you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time I was in Asia serving the Lord verse 19 with all humility and with tears and trials Now, I want to run through some of the things that we see in there and just talk about them and the life that we see Paul living among the people. That's the first one, right? Paul lived among the people. Paul lived among the people. Paul was not not distant from them. He was not an authoritarian as he was a leader. He was not a, a commander. He wasn't a king who just barked orders at the people and told them what they were supposed to do. Paul lived among them. And this is a big thing. Paul lived among them. He knew them, and he knew them well, and they knew him. It's how we were created to live and how we are meant to lead. We are created to live with one another, created to live together, created to, to, to know and to be known. We are created for family. And, and, and this is how godly Christian leaders should live. They should live their life leading among the people, relationally. We see that in Paul. Paul lived among the people. We also see Paul's life was a life of service to the Lord. Now, we talk about serving a lot at at New City. And the reason that we do is because this, too, is what we were created for. We are created to be servants. We are created to serve. This This is what it means to be shaped into the image of Jesus. Jesus says that he came not to be served but to what? to serve. And we are being shaped into the image of Jesus. That's what sanctification is. And that means if Jesus is a servant, then when we are shaped into the image of Jesus, we are servants as well. I also say this a fair amount, that that the, the mark of of a mature Christian is not really how many Bible verses that you can quote or how great your theology is. Those are good things, right? I'm not speaking against them. Good things. But the real mark of maturity is how you serve others. Serving others is how we serve the Lord. Paul's life was a life of service to the Lord. Paul lived a life of humility. Biblically, humility doesn't mean that we consider ourselves nothing or that we consider um, ourselves even less than nothing. I like the way that Tim Keller describes it in The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. It's a par- my paraphrase here, but humility doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves. It means that we think of ourselves less. You follow that? That was Paul. He, he was concerned for the good of others, and he thought of others more, more often than he thought of himself. He thought of their well-being more often than he thought of his own well-being. Paul would write to the Philippian church these words in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing from selfish your ambition or your conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interest but also to the interest of others and then he says this have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus now here's what Paul is saying there just so that we don't miss it Paul is saying that 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 we should be a humble people That we should consider others more highly than ourselves. That we should think more often about others and their needs than we do about ourselves and our needs. And then he says, have this mind which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have the same mind that Jesus had. That's what he is saying. Be like Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, and what Paul means there is in every way he was God. He was like God in every way. Everything that we can say about God, his beauty, his splendor, his glory, his power, those are the things that we say about Jesus in every way who though he was in the form of God, did not count that equality with God as a thing to be grasped or something to be held on to. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. The word there is slave. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul is saying be humble like Jesus is humble." Jesus lived a life of humility. He emptied himself. He left all of the glory of heaven to come in the flesh of humanity. The creator of all things took on the dying and weak human flesh that is ours. And and, and he did that. He did that living for us, dying for us, all of that. He did it for our good. This is the good news of the gospel. Paul was reflecting the life of Jesus in his three years in Ephesus. Living humbly, serving as Jesus served, considering others more highly than himself, living among the people, not over the people, but with the people, just like Jesus. Paul's life was filled with tears and trials. Paul says that. The trials that he mentions specifically are those that came by the way of the Jews who stood against him. In every city that he went to, they lied, they slandered, they raised a mob to attack him. They didn't just hurt Paul's feelings, right? Like, that's our biggest danger, that we get our feelings hurt. They didn't just hurt Paul's feelings. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He suffered at their hands. But it wasn't just the Jews. Really, Paul's life had, had many more tears than just those brought about by the Jews. The Gentiles did the same thing, rising up against Paul. Friends of Paul, friends that he loved very dearly hurt him and hurt him very deeply. People that Paul trusted walked away from him. They turned from him. They turned from truth. They turned from their faith. And not only did they turn and abandon Paul, but they led others to do the same. Speaking poorly, his friends, people that he loved, people, people that he spent his life with, they, they, they turned others against him, lying and slandering. People that Paul fought for. The truth here is that life's trials and tears don't go away just because we love and follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not a guarantee that life is going to be easy. In fact, if we if we read the Bible, it is the opposite of that. I don't know where we came up with this horrible theology. That everything is better with Jesus. I mean, I guess it is. Suffering is better when we've got Jesus. It's still suffering. This... Sunday. Paul's Paul's life shows us that, right? As he followed Jesus and, and was a man of faith, his his life was hard just like the life of Jesus was hard, right? This is, this is Palm Sunday, and on this Sunday, like Jesus would ride into town on a donkey, being praised and worshipped, treated like a king. People were throwing their cloaks and palm leaves before him as he came into the city of Jerusalem. A great celebration, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. In just a few short days, that same crowd would be screaming and shouting against Jesus. his crucifixion they would be the ones to laugh at him and spit on him as he carried his own cross paul's life was a reflection of the life of jesus and that included a life of tears and trials verse 20 tells us that even with these tears and trials paul did not hesitate to point others to jesus right angry people did not stop paul angry people, rejection, fear of rejection, fear of not being liked. None of it caused him to shrink from the thing that God had made him, and that is a missionary. God had made Paul a missionary, and here's the truth. Paul was a missionary just like every one of us is a missionary. The Great Commission was not just for those first disciples. New City people, you hear this all the time from me. It was our commission. We are commissioned to be disciples who make disciples. Paul described it in 2 Corinthians, described himself as an ambassador of Christ, a representative of Christ, given the ministry of reconciliation. Paul says, just as we have been reconciled to God in Christ, we are now ambassadors of Christ. We, we, we have been given this ministry of reconciliation, and we plead with the people around us that they too would be reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. Paul faithfully and obediently did that. He, he taught. He, he taught. He proclaimed Jesus in the public square. He did that in the synagogues. He did it with the church going house to house, calling both Jew and Greek to repent, to repent of their sin and to turn to Jesus. I love in verse 25 that Paul says that what he has been proclaiming is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. This, this, this is what Jesus proclaimed when he was here, right? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Believe. For the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand because our king has come, King Jesus. Paul just picked up as Jesus ascended with the same mission of Jesus proclaiming the kingdom had come. One more that we see here. Paul worked hard for the kingdom. Paul says in verse 33, you know I coveted no one's silver or gold. And in verse 34, you know that that, that these hands, by my hands, I took care of my own needs and the needs of those who were with me. Paul says by working in this way, verse 35, we are able to help the weak. And thus we live out Jesus' words, it is more blessed to, to give than to receive. We've talked about Paul's work. He was a tent maker. And we talked about how he worked with Priscilla and Aquila, making tents with them. He, he labored to make money in order to support himself and, and the team of people who was traveling with him. And he did that so on these young churches in their early years, he would not be a burden to the church. Paul labored in the church, right? We, we see that from him. He worked hard. <laughs> Paul worked hard. He labored in the church. He was teaching and, he, and preaching. He, he labored with the church together in Ephesus. They labored to see the gospel proclaimed. But he also labored on his own for the church, for the good of the church, for the good of the people. He labored. So for three years... These were the marks of Paul's life in Ephesus. He lived with them like family. He lived with them like family. He served the Lord in Ephesus by serving the people. He he lived and served in humility for the good of others. His life was filled with with well-known trials and tears. Some we read about, many, many, many more that we, we don't get to read about. Paul faithfully carried out the mission of every disciple of, of Jesus, pointing others to Jesus, proclaiming Jesus and his kingdom. And Paul worked hard. Paul worked hard in the church. Paul worked hard with the church. Paul worked hard for the church. Now, listen to me. Paul wasn't recounting these things for his own praise. Paul wasn't reminding the the elders of Ephesus of what they had seen in him so they would think highly of him. And that's not why Luke included it here. What Paul was doing was charging the elders from Ephesus to live a similar life, to follow him as he followed Christ. That's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, my life has been lived well. You've seen it for three years. I, I am leaving and, and, and will never see you again. Make yours a life well lived. Make yours a life well lived. And give me a second here. I want to I point some things out. First of all, I want to talk about Paul's audience. Paul, Paul had sent from Miletus for the elders from the church of Ephesus. The elders. I want to talk about what elders are. In verse 28, he calls them overseers, using those words interchangeably. When you read the New Testament, it seems to show that elders, overseers, pastors, shepherds, those are all descriptions of one office in the church. We call it the office of elders. Um, But it's one office, these are all descriptors of the same office, in the local church. The elders in these churches were appointed as leaders and caregivers in the church. They were leading the local church to love and follow Jesus. They were given charge of, of guarding the doctrine of the church, making sure that the gospel was being proclaimed, that the gospel was being lived out, um, caring for the people in that congregation. Uh, elders, uh, we believe at, at New City, in, based on scripture, are men who meet certain qualifications. We're not going through those qualifications, but you can read those in Titus 1 and First Timothy chapter 3. Um, Read those if you have questions about what an elder is. Now, I I, want to say this as well. Elder is a very specific role in the local church. Um, it, it 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 is not a title that's given to older people in the church who might be respected for their wisdom. Right? In the Old Testament, we saw that in, in, in cities and stuff. There were elders from the city, and they were usually older people who were wise. This is a very specific title and position in the church given to men, Paul says here, who are set apart by the Holy Spirit and who meet the qualifications of First Timothy 3, and Titus 1. At New City, we have a plurality of elders who pastor, shepherd, oversee, lead the congregation of New City. Our elder team is made up of men who we prayerfully believe, after, after much scrutiny, meet the biblical qualifications given to us in Scripture. So that's who Paul was gathering to himself. Right? If, he was, if he was gathering from New City, he would have been gathering the elders of New City to share this, this information with, to say these things to, right? to challenge them to, to, to live their life as he has lived his, his life. Make yours a life well lived to the elders. Now, listen to me here. While the position is specific and the qualifications are pretty strict on who is qualified to be an elder in the church, the truth is that Scripture calls every believer, male and female, to this same life. Every qualification that we read in in 1 Timothy and in Titus that applies to an elder is given in different places of Scripture for every single believer with the exception of being able to teach. So what I'm saying to you is this, every believer, every one of you may not at all aspire to be an elder and that is fine men. You may think that you could never live this way. This is what the Bible calls you to to live, how the Bible calls all of us to live. Not just super Christians. All of us, male and female, as Christians, To to have lives that resemble the life of a man who is qualified to be an elder... All of us are called to be holy and to be righteous and to be good and to have a good reputation. One of the qualifications for an elder is that they be hospitable. Can can I tell you, welcoming others as Christ has welcomed us, every single believer is charged with the same thing. All of us. So whatever the elders are called to do with the exception of Um, Being able to teach, you are called to that as well. Here's why that matters. Here's why I am emphasizing it. it. It is because Paul is not only calling the elders to make their life well lived. He is calling the elders to call on the church to make yours a life well lived. Everything that is an expectation of the elder is an expectation of all Christians if you're with me say amen so so look look with me at some of these verses again verse 28 paul paul says to them "...pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, from the group of elders, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert... Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, that is the gospel, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So Paul has already reminded um, them, or, or let me remind you that Paul has already reminded them and said to them twice, I live this way among you. Remember, this is how I lived among you. Remember, this is what you saw in me. Be alert and remember that this is what I did, verse 31, when I was with you. Verse 35, I have shown you all of this. Four things that Paul charges them with as as he calls these elders to lead their congregation. These are things that they've seen him do. One is pay careful attention to yourselves. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Watch your own life. New city. Pay careful attention to yourself. Watch your own life. Watch your holiness. Watch your pursuit of Christ. Guard your own heart. Fight the drift that would lead you away from Jesus. Pay careful attention to your own walk of faith. This is is a reminder for them, a reminder for us, that that our walk with Jesus is not a, a passive mountaintop kumbaya experience. You have to take an active role in your own spiritual life. You have to take an active role in your own spiritual life. You have to take an active role in your own spiritual life. I can never do this for you standing up here preaching. My preaching will never, ever, ever do this. You have to take an active role in your own spiritual life. You have to be alert about your own walk with Jesus. You need to be aware uh, uh, of where you are with Him. You, you, You need to always remember that you are in danger of drifting away from Him. Pay attention. Pay attention. And then after telling the elders to pay attention to their own life, He says, pay careful attention to the flock. Elders, you have been given the difficult task of of knowing the flock that is yours, the local church. He's saying to the elders, pay attention to the people. Now listen to me, We, we all come from different backgrounds. Some maybe from a Baptist church that didn't have elders, so you don't know what elders are or another denomination. Some who had elders that you did not know who were not among you. Biblical eldership is not an advisory board. Biblical eldership is not an advisory board. It is not, it is not a, a board that is put together of the, the brightest businessmen in the church who are the most successful. That is not what an elder team is. Elders, biblical eldership is, is, is more like shepherds. And when I say shepherds, I mean like David was a shepherd. I mean, I mean shepherds who watch after an actual flock of, of, of sheep you pay attention to where they are and you pay attention to how they are and and you lead them to the places that they need to go, to to go or are they growing you look and you ask are they growing are they feeding or what what do they need are the, are the are the are the sheep any of them straying are they wandering are they drifting Do do we need to step in and protect? Are there wolves among us? Are there wolves coming in for our sheep? Pay careful attention to the flock that God has given you. This is is hard work that comes, and that's why Paul is saying it. And, 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 And it comes, this work, with many, many tears. Pay attention to the flock that God has given you. He adds, admonish everyone. The word admonish means to, to, to warn. Uh, it means to urge, right? To urge someone to do something. It also means to reprimand, right? To correct someone who is doing something wrong. Admonish everyone, Paul says. That is, that is part of your role as an elder. Admonish everyone. Paul says, as you, as you watch over the flock, And you shepherd them, be alert because wolves, when I leave, Paul says, wolves are going to rise up. Now, listen, do you know what wolves do to sheep? What? Kill them, eat them, right? That's what wolves do to sheep. This is not a pretty picture. Paul is saying, listen, be alert because there are, there are dangerous times and wolves will arise. Dangerous people will come up in the church and worse than just coming up in the church, they may even make it in as an elder. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Be, be, be alert, be alert. Dangerous, dangerous people can find their way into the church and they will lead people away from Jesus. Don't let them, shepherds, stand up against the wolves who would rise up to take people away from Jesus. Elders are charged with with fighting off the wolves, with defending the sheep, even when those wolves are elders. Admonish everyone. Warn the disciples of the wolves. Warn the wolves what is about to happen if they don't repent or leave the church. Reprimand them for their actions. Finally, he says, help the weak. Now, Paul mentioned it here in terms of his hard work and being ready and able to give to others who are weak in order to help them. But I, I think this same charge of helping the weak um, could, could apply not just to those who are impoverished or the widows who would be particularly needy, but to those who are weak in their faith. Be ready to help those who are weak in their faith. Wolves we fight right wolves we fight wolves we are running out of here for the good of the sheep but for those who are weak in their faith we work patiently and diligently to help i'm leaving you paul says and i will probably never see you again so pay attention Pay attention to your own life. Pay attention to your own life. Pay attention to the flock that is under your care. Admonish everyone. Help the weak. These things, Paul says, you have seen me do for three years. For three years, this is what I have done in your midst. I have shown you this. Remember, you've seen it. Do it. Paul is saying, do it as you live among the people. Do it as you, as you live with them, just as I have lived among you, just as I have lived with you, as one of you. Do this as, as family. Do this, Paul is saying, as you serve the people who are the church, your servants, do this serving, serving, serving them, serving as you've seen me serve. Do this in all humility. Do this through, through through trials and tears, just as I have. Do this, pointing the people to Jesus and His kingdom. This is your calling and your mission. New City. This is a life well lived. This is a life well lived. It, it's the life that we were meant for. The life that, that Paul called them to was, was the life that Paul saw in Jesus. Paul lived that life. And, and he's saying to these elders, he's saying to this, this, this group of men, follow me as I follow Jesus. Live the way that Jesus lived. Here is what that looks like. Live as Jesus lived in humility, serving among the people, with the people. But again, he wasn't just saying it to the elders. He, He was saying it to the elders. He was saying it through the elders for the entire church. This is a life well lived for every believer. This is the life well lived for you and me, life together, life with one another, life as family, life serving, serving the Lord, you, you serving the Lord as you serve others, serving the Lord as you serve others with, with me, with us as we serve together, a life shaped into the image of Jesus as we, as we think of ourselves less often and we think more often of the people around us. A life as 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 heralds as ambassadors life life as as missionaries right one who has been reconciled to god in christ now pleading with others for the same that they would be reconciled to god in christ as well a a, a life engaged a life engaged and paying attention to our own walk with the Lord. But even more, even more, a life spent walking with our brothers and sisters, warning them of the drift that you see in them. Warning them of the wolves who, who, who either are in our midst or may be in our midst. Calling them back when they drift or follow a poor theology. Calling them back again and again and again to Jesus and the good news of the gospel—that this is a life well lived. Paul says it is a life of tears and trials. Right? I, I am—I am sure, as I am calling you, as Paul calls us to this life. You're like, I got a—I got a job. I got a family. I don't. So did Paul. So did Paul. He he worked. He worked not not only to provide for himself, but to provide for his entire team who traveled with him, and to still be able to give to the weak and needy around him. And that sounds too hard. I hear you. Even Paul says it, it, it is a life of tears and trials. It is hard. But, but let me show you that it is so much more, okay? One, one last part, verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Stop right there. For three years, Paul lived with these people. For three years, they celebrated together, they labored together, they shared the gospel together. They mourned together. For three years, Paul was with them, and, and now he's called them to him. They've traveled 20 miles. For them, that was a long way. They've traveled 20 miles to gather with Paul before he goes on, on this journey to Jerusalem where he says, I have no idea what is going to happen to me when I get there, but I am constrained by the Holy Spirit to go. The only thing that I know is that he has said, in every city that I go to, there will be imprisonment and pain. I'll never see you guys again. Remember the life that I lived with you. I lived it well. Now you live that life with the people around you. And when he had said these things, he knelt down with these brothers that he loved dearly, and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping, much weeping on the part of all of them. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken that he would not, they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. God, that is Beautiful. They prayed together and they wept. And there was much, much weeping, Luke says. They embraced Paul and they kissed him. And there was much sorrow. Most of all because they imagined that this was the last time they would ever hear Paul's voice, see his face. And there was much weeping. I read once of of loss and grief, and that's what this was. This was loss. They were losing Paul forever. Already grieving the fact that he was leaving them, they would never see him again. I read once of loss, that our grief and sorrow is most often tied to our love. And the degree to which we weep, well, it often reveals the degree to which we love. And there was much sorrow and weeping because there was much love. That is the life that we were meant for. A life of loving and being loved. That is a life fulfilled. In fact, I would say this, that is the life we all long for. And here it is. And and it isn't found in the perfect job or the house in the perfect neighborhood. It it isn't found in in the greatest retirement package, the biggest 401k. It's found in the humble life of Jesus. Follow me, Paul says, as I follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you're so good and patient with us. Today is another day of grace, where we discover, where true fulfillment comes, we discover the place of genuine satisfaction, even through trials and tears. thank you thank you father for shining the light of your word on the path we were meant to take help us Holy Spirit remind us again and again and again of these things that we might be shaped into the image of Jesus that we are meant to bear that we were created for. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.